if you have the courage to even start something that isn't your corporate job, like that, that's huge. Some people don't even have the courage to consider it, okay? And if you started it, if you made the podcast artwork and, you know, got your name narrowed down, like congratulations, that's a huge step. It's either success or it's a lesson. It's either success or it's research. You know, it's, you got to stop viewing something as like, okay, failure's the end. A lot of people view failure as the period at the end of the sentence and not a comma. And something that leads to like, okay, she failed at her corporate job, comma, but she succeeded at freelance. It's not, she failed at her corporate job, period. It's not a failure. It's, it's, it's something that leads into something else. And once you realize that, I think it's a huge, the, the game changes, I think. Hey, Build and Bloom, Jessica Whitaker here, and I'm so excited to get into today's episode with our guest, Katie Velotti. Katie is a graphic designer, a content creator, a YouTuber, an influencer. She's a woman of many talents and all around an artist. I am so honored to have Katie on the Build and Bloom podcast to talk about how she took a calculated leap of faith from corporate into freelancing with patience and planning. And in this episode, Katie Katie will not only inspire you with her story, but she's going to give you practical steps if you are looking to freelance full-time or to start a side hustle. We're going to cover time management. If you are working full-time, you're going to school, you also are looking to start a side hustle. Katie has mastered time management. We're going to talk about mindset shifts around fear of failure and so much more. Katie really has found a great balance between personal and professional life and walks us through even how she prioritizes and knows when to say yes to friends and when to say yes to work and that's something that I really admire about her. I started watching Katie's videos in high school and it's really an honor for me to have her on the show and to speak into you. She is seriously a dream guest of mine and I cannot wait to get into the episode. For all of Katie's links you can check the show notes or head to jessicawhitaker.co slash blog slash Katie, K-A-T-Y. Trust me, you're gonna want to follow along. She is such an inspiration. Let's get into the show. You're listening to the Build and Bloom podcast with host Jessica Whitaker, an educator of film and digital photography to beginners, both in workshops across the globe and online. Creator of the Build and Bloom group on Facebook, one of the largest and most engaged photography communities with over 60,000 members, and founder of non-profit Sister Sister, a monthly networking group for young women in media. Jessica Whitaker cuts the fluff and will help you to grow your photography business with practical, actionable tips in every episode. If you're ready for a roadmap to a better personal and professional balance, then Build and Bloom podcast will help encourage, empower, and educate you to not only build your dream business, but sustain it. And now, here's your host, Jessica Whitaker. Katie, welcome to the Build and Bloom podcast. I'm so, so excited that you are here. Why don't you introduce yourself? Who is Katie Bilotti? 
Wow, loaded question. I feel like uh, Katie Pilati is a lot of things, but to name a few of them, I am a New York City-based content creator, which, you know, content creator is such a vague term, but basically I create a lot of different things. I do video, I do, I have a podcast, um, YouTube, Instagram, all the social platforms, but I'm also a freelance designer and a freelance editor. I work for a number of different clients on a freelance basis. And I'm also just like an artist of many trades. I do um, calligraphy and, you know, some other digital art here and there. But kind of at the end of the day, I'm a content creator. I create a lot of things that I hold near and dear to my heart. And that's just kind of me, I guess, in a nutshell. Katie, I know that you have shared with your audience that you have recently quit your job uh, in corporate and you have gone full-time into freelancing, but I know that this wasn't something that just happened overnight. It seems like you've used a lot of wisdom within the transition. Mm -hmm. Why don't we kind of talk about your job at L'Oreal and what you did there. Um, What prompted the move to New York City? Yeah, I mean, wow. It was kind of... um it was something that, you know, while I was in college, it there definitely was a lot of things I did that led up to my ultimate move to New York and the job and everything. But I always did know I wanted to end up in New York. I just felt that there was this sort of energy there that just, I had been there for a few different trips with my family, with some brands, because I was doing YouTube for a long time before I even considered a corporate job. And I was lucky to go on some trips and head out to New York. And there was just something about the energy there that I was just so, of course inspired but also I just felt like there was such there's so much room to grow there and I just had heard from other people that if you can make it in New York you can make it anywhere you know Frank Sinatra and I was like I gotta get a slice of that like I want that so while I was in college I was kind of always hoping and kind of looking in that direction and just kind of hoping that something would come together for me because of course I felt like I was qualified of course I felt like I was talented to some degree maybe not as talented as other people but you know that's a whole nother thing but I always kind of was looking in that direction even though there's a lot of competition and everyone's kind of looking there I was just kind of hoping that something would work out for me and ultimately it did it kind of the stars aligned so to speak and luckily a connection of mine that I had through a YouTube sponsorship um, I was actually doing with L'Oreal so the beauty brand the beauty giant um, a friend of mine was the director of social media for L'Oreal Paris which is one one of the brands in the L'Oreal umbrella and she was like hey this is crazy actually funny enough she called me on a Saturday morning at like 8 a.m and college kids are not awake at 8 a.m on a Saturday so I was like right. you know startled to say the least and was like hung over honestly and I was like hi you know hi so and so and she was like yeah so um there's an opening on my team I'm not sure if you're interested or if you're even considering a corporate job like certainly you don't need it you have other stuff and I was like oh my god yes like you know without sounding too eager I was like let me think about it but of course I knew what I was gonna say you know (laughs) Um, and I, of course I went through the traditional interview process. Like it wasn't just handed to me at all. I had to talk to all these Mm -hmm. intimidating people and, you know, pitch myself and, 
ultimately got the job and was there for a year and a half. And what I was doing there was it kind of started out as one thing and kind of uh, turned into something completely different, but started out as just a social coordinating job. So a coordinator essentially coordinates, you know, I just worked on scheduling content and wasn't really creating anything, but was more so on the back end, just, you know, writing the captions and figuring out what day of the week we're going to post this product shot or, you know, things like that. And it kind of evolved into something where I had a lot more control and I was actually shooting content in the studio every week. I was shooting flat light content and really exercising my talents. And it took just me kind of bargaining with my boss and being like, hey, can I please shoot some content for this? Because I feel like we could do better, you know, and just me taking some risks here and there. And um, it it was like stressful, honestly, the first like month or so, because I just felt like, you know, any person that's going from college to a corporate job feels that way, where I just felt like a fish out of water, didn't know where the bathroom was, like got lost half the time, like was just trying to focus on like figuring out what to wear to work, you know, and (laughs) it was a lot. But ultimately, I kind of evolved into a place where I was super comfortable. I was promoted to this role where I was doing more managing of content and just kind of I was booking models and booking shoot venues and photographers and was working with a lot of freelance creatives. And that was ultimately, you know, I was in such a good place in my quote dream role and with my dream company, with my dream co-workers my experience was amazing and yet I still felt something was missing and something needed to change and that's kind of where my story begins with freelance when would you say that you started to feel that how far in was it a year I don't know so I you know I feel like with anything you do the, the doubt starts to creep in even if it's something that is kind of truly right for you you still have some doubts I feel like doubts are just a very constant thing throughout your life regardless of what you're doing Um, I even feel doubts now with what I'm doing and wondering if I made the right choice like all that so I would say the doubt started creeping in just naturally like three months into my role because I was getting kind of comfortable and wondering you know oh is this because I mean even just having friends that were also in entertainment and uh, just creative roles I was like oh like you know watching my friends question if they're happy oh how is you know you're just kind of questioning a lot of things you're thinking okay this is what I'm experiencing is this normal is this what I'm supposed to be doing at this age is this something where I see a future you're constantly thinking of the future you're thinking of yourself at 35 and wondering okay am I doing something right now at 24 23 whatever age I was that I'll be proud of when I'm 35 or you know what I mean so I was just Mm -hmm. having like an existential crisis like for the first Right. And I didn't really think about quitting until a year in. And I was there for a total of a year and six months before I ultimately quit because luckily I kind of figured it out, uh, you know, a decent amount of time in where I had some time to prepare myself, which I think there's a few things you really need to do before you just full on quit something because you need to have as you know, nice it is, as it is to be one of those people that's like, I'm super spontaneous and whatever. You yeah. can only be so spontaneous because ultimately you will not survive if you don't have a bit of a cushion financially and in other ways. So I'd say about a year in. Did you have any experience doing freelancing before you went to L'Oreal? Yes. So, I mean, a little bit. I would say... I didn't really know the full extent of freelancing. And to be quite honest with you, I kind of, I 
set up my own kind of stigma towards freelancers. Like I really thought that, you know, when I heard the word freelancer or the phrase freelancer um, back in college, I was like, oh, those are people that just like haven't figured out their life and are just doing odd jobs to keep food on the table. And it's not sustainable. It's something that I, because my whole goal, you know, out of college was I just want something that is sustainable, that is stable. I wanted something stable because with YouTube, which I've been doing since I was 14 and have been making money with since I was like 16, it's so super unstable. And all the jobs that I've been getting from YouTube, I mean, even not just AdSense, because AdSense is AdSense and all that, but just like the jobs or the, the deals, the brand deals with different clients or, you know. Uh, on a YouTube basis and on an Instagram basis and me just like holding up a a watch and getting paid for it you know that's super unstable and I was kind of monitoring that while I was in college and thinking I can't do this forever this is something that you know it's fun while I have school to worry about and all that but I need something stable and so I was really pushing to have that stable job and I didn't really realize that by having that stable job it was something where it would get kind of monotonous and it would get a little bit to the point where I'm doing the same thing kind of every day. The same thing with little changes here and there every single day. And some people love that. For me, wasn't compatible with it. So that's ultimately where I kind of shifted and realized that freelancers have something that, that other people don't. They they are, they, they crave something that isn't the same every day. And not to say all corporate jobs are the same every day, certainly not the case, but in the creative sphere, a lot of times like your job looks the same unless you're a director, unless you're way up there. And I was just super eager. I was like, I need to just be getting my hands on something that isn't this every day. So, but to answer your question though, the first time I really dove into freelancing or kind of even experienced something remotely close to freelancing, although I would never have said it was freelancing because I did not like that word, um, was in college. So I was doing some stuff for my sorority and for just graphic stuff. So I was designing our graphics for things, but also for a few things on campus. So there was a clothing store on campus I did some graphics for um, and received a really small commission. And then the on-campus magazine, um, I was fashion editor, but also I did layout. So I did some spreads every month for our monthly publication. So I was doing things here and there. Most of it wasn't paid, um, but it was it was, you know, jobs that weren't required of me to graduate and I was just doing because I wanted to. And honestly, looking back, I think these are the things that really set me apart with my portfolio in the job market and really showed future employers that I had something that other kids didn't. So that was kind of my first kind of dipping my toe in the freelancing world. Do you think that having being able to reflect on what you did in university was a way that you were able to make your decision to shift into doing freelancing full-time and phasing out of corporate, did that experience make the decision a bit easier or almost spurred it on? I think so because I – I mean, of course, I think this is something that everyone feels after college, especially if they consider college the best four years of their life or something that really shaped them. And for me, it was because high school, I I really did find myself in high school too, but I was bullied. I didn't really get everything I wanted out of it. I mean, I was even just talking to my mom about this. I'm like, I could have done without senior year of, of high school. Like every, I feel so bad for the kids that are losing their senior year, you know, because of everything happening right now. But I, I could have done without it. I was not 
thriving in, in high school and going to college was when I truly found my people. I found fellow creatives even that really understood me I felt like I wasn't this just like weird girl anymore I had a purpose and so when I was in college and doing all of this stuff you know in my sorority making graphics doing stuff for the the clothing brand and for the magazine I felt this like weird sensation not weird but just like powerful sensation of like this is it this is what I need to be doing forever like this you know that feeling when you're like finally you finally discover something that you genuinely like to do and is such a good use of your time that you just can't wait to do more of like that that feeling that's how I felt in college and I had never felt that way really before and so when I graduated and got this job that I thought was going to let me do those things but get paid for it and have it be a stable income and all those things Ultimately, I felt like it was a bit of a letdown only because, I mean, not that the job wasn't good. I thought the job, you know, anyone who is in that job now, who I I don't know who took my role, but is probably thriving and loving it. But I think the reason why I was unfulfilled was because I had that sensation of feeling like I had all the freedom, I guess, in college with what I was creating. And so I think that that definitely played a role of me knowing and having a taste of that in college, having a taste of what it would be like as a freelancer and having freedom to do a million different projects and not have to stay in the same lane at all times. So I think that maybe I wouldn't have known the full or had the courage to maybe leave my corporate job if I hadn't had that experience. But honestly, yeah, I, I it's hard to say, but I think probably it had an impact for sure. So now you're in this period of working for L'Oreal, but wanting to phase into freelancing full time. What did a typical day look like for you towards that end of working at L'Oreal? So you were balancing, I, from what it seems like online, three jobs. So your own social media, so podcasts, YouTube, all these different platforms, freelancing, and then also working corporate. I feel like you are working basically 48 hour long days <laughs> every day. <laughs> It was a train wreck, to say the least. It was something where, like, I've always been known for this type of kind of vibe to me where I'm like a yes man and I want to make beautiful things for everyone happen. And it's kind of my downfall. It's good because I I have a lot of energy to create things and the creative energy has never been a problem for me like it's you know I got the occasional like creator block and you know go for a walk and then it comes back and but for the most part it was just me swinging from one content vine to the next content vine it was like I was never off even when I was technically off I was still on because the nature of especially having a social media based career is even when you're technically like you know enjoying yourself you're still documenting it I was still posting Instagram stories and Instagram posts and even you know vlogging my life in New York which I think is very exciting like I love watching New York City vlogs or just anyone vlogs from their life so I was constantly creating things even when I was out for like a birthday dinner of my friends I was still creating content still you know creating stuff that could be monetized and it was getting kind of exhausting so I was doing my day job I would even wake up early before my day job well before to capture some outfit photos for the the day and I would you know schedule those out so I would be taking pictures of myself in the morning like you know I live alone so I wasn't getting any help I was setting up my self timer before work running to the office like hopping on the subway running to the office 
being in my L'Oreal brain all day, but then occasionally, like at lunch, I would just quickly check my phone, make sure my emails from my, you know, my business side of things weren't exploding. And then as soon as it hit like seven, because, you know, nine to five jobs, hate to say it, are never nine to five. You're always in the office till like seven for the most part, unless it depends on your job. But for me, so I was leaving the office around seven. The sun was like setting. So I couldn't film any videos that day. So I was like, you know, on my commute home, checking all my emails that I missed during the day, apologizing to people left and right because I missed their email because I was at my day job. So, you know, apologizing to my clients that I was working with and feeling guilty that I hadn't updated my followers on my day and people in my DMs asking me for advice about their relationship. And I was just overwhelmed. Like there was just too much and I am one of those people that also cannot admit when I'm wrong or when I've taken on too much. So, you know, I was always just like, this is something, this is just my life now. This is just how it's going to be. And I just got to get good with it because I, I do have in me, I just, I need to be busy because otherwise I think I do too much thinking about just everything that I can't control and it gets overwhelming that way. So Luckily, now that I'm a freelancer and I have eliminated that huge chunk of my day, aka 8 to 7 p.m., I now have time to do things that I wasn't able to do before. It has definitely significantly eased my workload. I am no longer my the one friend that is always complaining. Like I felt like I was always coming to my friends saying, guys, my day was crazy. I'm so angry at so and so you know what I mean I was just like such a fireball because I was not taking time for myself to remotely even like relax okay so to answer your question it was just chaotic a total train wreck I was forgetting to do things I was like my even my skin was freaking out because of the stress like it was a nightmare so after seven after you get off of the subway and you're done answering emails when did you actually be able to create the content for your podcast when did you have time to edit your videos was that like staying up late every night or what do you do more on the weekends well how did you manage the time yeah I mean living in New York it's the the energy on the weekends is just so fun and I had a social life you know I have friends that we we go out we have you know we go to brunch we do fun things on the weekends we go antique shopping you know and I didn't want to sacrifice I knew despite how busy I was I knew how important it was for me to do those things and to live my 20s in New York the way that I would I've always imagined from watching Sex in the City and all those shows and so I gave myself the weekends to like to play and to do things and you know experience life because ultimately my podcast is about my life and about the right. dates I go on and the, the projects I'm doing and all the stuff that I do and I I knew you know of course I wanted to have fun but I also needed it for content I needed those weekends so that being said I couldn't really work on the weekends I would film videos on Sundays um, like in the afternoons because especially in the winter, there's no light after I get off work. And so there was just, I, and I, I told myself I would never be one of those YouTubers. No offense to people that do this. I don't, you know, discriminate against anyone's video styles. But for me, I could not be one of those YouTubers that films in the dead of night with a uh, bright light in my face and like wash me out. Like I just, I'm already too pale. I can't do that. So I need natural light. So I would, you know, always shoot my videos on Sundays. But in terms of podcasting, I would be podcasting at like 10 o'clock at night for a couple hours finish at like midnight 
my style is I edit as I go, which is nice, but I was also like, there were parts, like if you listen back to some of my older episodes, I was like clearly losing my mind, like falling asleep at the wheel almost while I was podcasting. And I was like missing episodes. I was posting just like, you know, sometimes I'd post one week, not the other week. It was just like, I, I was honestly... Of course, it was taking a toll on me, but I felt like I was also doing my followers and those who are listening to my podcast and watching my videos a major disservice because I clearly was not fully in it. And there's these people out there, I was comparing myself to every other person out there that does this full time and was thinking, first of all, I was, I hated them. I was mad at them because I was just jealous and didn't have the courage to quit my job at the time. And I also just felt like they were doing everything way better than me because they didn't have this other thing. And I'm like, okay, clearly it's one of those things where you could be like full on struggling and just blame everyone besides yourself where you hold the power. You ultimately have all the power that all the things you need, all the resources you need to make yourself better off, to make yourself happier, to make yourself less stressed. And you're fully not doing that thing, you know, that you need to do. And for me, it was quitting. And I was really nervous about it. I was anxious. I was not only just worried about the the conversation itself of like, hi, I need, I want to quit my job. And I, no, I don't have a job lined up. Um, I want to quit to do freelance. Like, you know, I just, that was a terrifying conversation. But also, I was just terrified that I would fail. I still am sometimes. That ultimately, I will regret quitting my corporate job or just regret the bridges I've burned by you know quitting which I didn't I quit the right way I think and I didn't do any of that but there's just a lot of fear involved but to be honest with you I feel like the fears that I was experiencing before of just living a very mediocre exhausted life and just burning myself out in my 20s were bigger than the fears that I experience now so ultimately I feel like I won somehow and I feel like you went about it the correct way you having been there for a Mm -hmm. whole year Mm -hmm. You're, you were able to jump right into freelancing. So even there's no gap on your resume. Right. And as long as you're constantly building the portfolio and you're you're creating things that can speak for you, I think it's fine. Totally. Yeah. I want to ask a question about time management and project management tips for anybody who's looking to start a side hustle on the side of their nine to five. So do you have maybe two or three practical time management tips that you would give to anybody who's looking to start their own podcast or maybe their own graphic design or photography business um, and they also are working that nine to five nine to seven job yeah or like eight to seven um of course I think it's possible to have a side hustle while you have a corporate job it's definitely something that isn't a total walk in the park and I think people know that and the ones that have the courage to do it anyway are the ones that will make it so you know honestly it's something where I probably if I had to could have kept going with it you know was it towards the end I was just like this is unhealthy for me because I was not only doing just the podcast I was doing YouTube I was doing Instagram I, I have a manager out in LA that was feeding me jobs for YouTube I was doing way more than just like one thing so I would recommend starting with one thing you know if you're going to make a podcast I've seen so many people recently making podcasts which is amazing I love listening to podcasts I think that there is so much room for more people in that space if you're going to start a podcast do it I would just say in terms of time management to always be be realistic with your time. I mean, realistic with how long it's going to take you to make something. So um, with podcasting, you have to 
kind of it's trial and error for sure I think for me it took a bit to figure out okay it's gonna take me two hours to record a 45 minute podcast and some people are like no it should take me if it's a 45 minute podcast it'll take me 45 minutes to record it no of course not oh my gosh and I only I record by myself so having a guest just completely it makes it a four-hour ordeal or more you know having to edit and post everyone's you know questions and everything so yeah, you got to know that it's probably going to take you longer, especially when you're starting out longer than you anticipate. Give yourself that time. Like don't come home and, and think, oh, you know, it'll take me 45 minutes and I have time after to have this other guest. Like don't be one of those people that schedules like three guests in one night and like recording all this stuff. Like be realistic, you know, it, it's okay to take your time with some things and be easy on yourself, okay? And come up with a schedule for when you're going to, you know, have content. I think that's probably the easiest way to do it. And I had a separate calendar for everything, all of my other stuff. And then I had it just easily accessible with my work stuff. Like I was just constantly switching back and forth, making sure. Um, And I am a big believer in to-do lists. I think to-do lists are just the way to live that I always have a to-do list every single day. And so I'd have, you know, my, I'd kind of break it out by hour and do it that way. I think another tip though is, or just kind of something that I learned was you're going to have to make some sacrifices. There's some times where your friends are going to ask you, hey, let's get dinner tonight, like an hour before, and you have a podcast scheduled that you're supposed to do, and you're going to have to be like, I'm sorry, guys, I'm working on this podcast. And it sucks, and you just let yourself feel the FOMO and remind yourself that one day you're going to look back and think, oh, I'm glad I missed that dinner. But on the other hand, know when you need to make those sacrifices in the other direction and put your work on hold for a bit to invest in your relationships because there were times where I felt like I, you know, my friends were kind of like, okay, Katie, where are you? Like, where are you? We haven't seen you in a while. And, you know, don't forget to live because you're so busy working. So I think it's all about just striking that balance and knowing when to say no, when to say yes, and don't be that person that always says yes because you don't have to be. And that's something I'm still working on. So those are some tips. I mean, ultimately, it's something where, like I said in the beginning of this, it's like if you have the courage to even start something that isn't your corporate job, like that that's huge. Some people don't even have the courage to consider it, okay? And if you started it, if you made the podcast artwork and, you know, got your name narrowed down, like congratulations, that's a huge step. So Katie, what did you do to prepare yourself to face out of working corporate going into freelancing work? And how much time did you give yourself to make that decision to end your job at L'Oreal to your first day working for yourself? That's a great question because I wish someone could have told me how to do this because no one really teaches you how to quit your job. Everyone teaches you how to get a job and how to prepare to get a job but no one tells you okay now when you decide you're not you know it's not fit for you anymore how do you get out of it no one teaches you that or no one teaches you how to transition into another job so that's kind of where you're on your own and luckily I mean now I have a platform where I can share what I did and how I did it so people can learn from that and hopefully it'll help them but anyway so I was completely curious or clueless rather I was very clueless um And so what I did was, so I'd say around, so I I quit officially 
the end of October, so right before my 24th birthday. I was like, I need to be in the year 24, like my age 24, it's going to be the best year ever. Lo and behold, we're in this crazy situation right now, but whatever, I digress. Um, So I was, you know, around October was like when I, or, or October, I believe it's like the second week of October or something like that. I quit. So around like earlier that year, um, after like New Year's Eve and all that, New Year's Day and the new beginnings and everyone's making their resolutions and all that, I was like, ooh, maybe maybe this is the year I quit my job and do freelance or whatever. And I was entertaining it. And so while I was in that phase of kind of entertaining it, I went on a mass Googling spree, YouTubing, researching, podcasting. And while I was sitting at my job at L'Oreal, I was listening to podcasts of freelance creatives talking about their process and talking about how they did it. And I was getting inspired that way before I was even ready to do it myself. And I think that was good. I was kind of you know, kind of working myself up, kind of training myself into making, I was just kind of making sure at the end of the day that this was something that I could do or that I would be comfortable in doing. Because my biggest fear, like I said, was failing or making a rash decision and burning a bridge where I was, you know, it would would have been a mistake or whatever. So what I ended up doing was actually I discovered a couple of uh, graphic designers in the city that I either found through friends or just randomly searching and finding them. And I DM'd them and I was like, hey, like, random, I love your work. Do you want to get dinner sometime? Do you want to get coffee sometime? I literally asked them out on a date. And I was like, let's just like creative to creative. I have a lot of questions for you. And I went into it saying, you know, I I think it did help that I have this following, of course. And I kind of, I do have a leg up where people saw the blue check mark next to my Instagram and they gave me a chance probably more so than or moreover than someone else and I am one of those people that now I am just kind of determined to return the favor if anyone ever dms me about graphic design or just wanting to, to get a coffee I do everything in my power to meet with them because I think this should be the culture that we live in where people are not af- yeah. or, I mean of course it's time consuming I know that but it's so yeah. important because these people that I ended up talking to really shaped the way that I looked at freelancing and ultimately were a big part of my decision. So I got dinner with them um, and kind of just talked over like their techniques and rates was a huge question that I had for them. I actually listened to your podcast on it too, like recently because I, I stumbled across it. Oh, okay, okay. Such an interesting just concept because it's like, okay, mm-hmm. I got to the point where I was like comfortable with the concept of making the creations and the work for these people. But how do I, how do I sell myself? Like how, how much am I worth? Like no one ever, people always told me like, okay, you know, go for this salary a year from this company because you need X dollars to live in New York City every month. Your rent is this much. People are always shoving these numbers down my throat, but I have never been able to come up with one for myself. Like even when I was freaking babysitting in high school, I was, you know, they were like, okay, $10 an hour or whatever. Like no, no, I've never made up my own rate ever again something no one teaches you so I was so clueless and luckily these two creatives that I met with both were members of this group which I highly recommend freelancing females you might have heard of it uh, incredible okay it's like this website slash Facebook it's a Facebook okay yeah website slash Facebook yeah. group and within that they actually have this thread where everyone kind of shares their rates where they are in the country or the world how much experience they have um and experience is huge I think it has to do with how many years you have and how much how long it takes you to make something there's so many factors so I kind of I came up with that I met with these creatives I made sure financially that I had five months of rent at least put away and like 
I was going to be able to survive for five months with no jobs or very minimal jobs. And that being said, I also made sure that I had a few clients lined up that were already, you know, in stone, going to work with me, contracted already. Like when I quit, I will dive into these jobs and they're there. Even if they're small, but like just something to put on my, you know, to say that I'm working (laughs) for the most part. So yeah, and then with that, I still felt unprepared. You're never going to feel fully prepared. That's the thing. That's the kicker here. It's like you can have all this stuff lined up and you can still be like, okay, but like I feel like I need to wait a month or I need to, you're never going to be ready ever. So I just pulled the trigger and I did it and it was scary, but you know, it's, it was a good move for me. You definitely took a very calculated leap of faith. That's what I like to call it, where it's, you're going out on or you're, you're taking this risk essentially, but you're doing everything in your power to prepare yourself. And it's still a leap of faith, especially being in New York City where it's like, yeah, I'm having to save five months of rent, which like five months of rent in Texas might be one thing, but New York, that's a huge risk. And so you did everything that you could to prepare for it. So what advice would you give to somebody who's listening and they let's say they even have like a private Instagram account. They have no presence, but they're wanting to get that experience. How do they stand out um, in an email inbox? Yeah, I mean, so now I've been doing this Patreon thing where I have a Patreon community and I've been hiring people to contribute. So graphic designers, poets, writers, all sorts of people, illustrators, etc. And I really, that's a huge, a whole other concept. But in doing so, I've been having people submit you know, emails to me or the resumes, just like directly sending me content that they've made and starting a conversation that way. And I'm prefacing with this is because I think honestly, like just as someone who is looking at all this stuff, it speaks volumes to have an incredible portfolio to share. It doesn't even need to be real stuff that you've done. If you just have like, it could be fake. It could be stuff you did like, you know, oh, I I decided to randomly rebrand Starbucks coffee and here's my concept. Like it doesn't need to be real. Just a few tangible things to show for yourself that shares this is my talent and this is because you can just write an email to anyone or DM someone a novel. First of all, keep it concise because I've gotten some total novels that I just can't. I, I skim, but I barely skim. Like make it super apparent in the first sentence what you want from me basically because there's no such thing as a free lunch. I believe it. I think that there is always a motive behind everything. I mean, of course people can do things out of the goodness of their heart, but ultimately that's still, that has, that is a motive. Like they want to do something good to make themselves feel good, whatever, you know? There's no such thing as a free lunch. So if you're going to reach out to me to get dinner with me or to get lunch with me or to just pick my brain, have a second of my time, have something where Katie, you know, I am an aspiring creative, blah, blah, blah. Here is my portfolio. Here is a screenshot of something that I'm really proud of. I would love your opinion on this. Let's get a coffee this week, blah, blah, blah. And I think that just the big thing that you need to have, you need to have to show this person that like, I'm trying really hard. I'm not just, you know, sitting behind my phone, lounging, sending an email to you. Like just, it's, it's something where I will, you know, give you my time if it's, if it's clear that you deserve it, you know, that you've put in so much of your own time and you just kind of hit a wall and you're like, okay, I've like done everything I can possibly do because there's some people out there and I don't mean this to be mean at all, but like they just, 
they expect everything to be handed to them and that it sucks because some of those people really do go places and but it it means so much to me to get a message from someone or an email from someone who has clearly really worked hard and are like oh my gosh I've created this amazing thing like I'll have people reach out to me from podcasts that I've never listened to or heard of before or people I don't know like I know you but there's some people that just dm me and they're like I have this podcast I have like two listeners but like look at my cool artwork and my I've really tried and I'm like, yeah, I want to help you if I can, if I have time. Because of course, I'm not like an endless time bank. But like, I think that that you got to have something to show for yourself, basically. I feel like this tip is so valuable because I think that a lot of people who have sent the message or haven't yet, but they're trying to construct it of, I want to pick your brain even if their intentions are just to learn from you and that they are serious, they could get completely overlooked just because of the word choice oh, yeah. that they're using. Oh, yeah. And and I think picking your brain, I mean, I've, I've definitely said that to people before, but it just sounds like, I, I hate to say it, but I think that phrase needs to be reworked nowadays because it kind of just sounds like, okay, I'm lazy and I want you to give me something I can like do something with, <laughs> kind of. It's like, yeah. but yeah. I know it comes from a good place, but I think that you yep. need to have something super tangible, super like, I mean, I'm a very visual person and many people in the creative space are. And as much as I love to say that I could read a huge novel text from someone and be able to visually see what they're trying to say to me or show, you know, you need to have, be concise, make it a couple sentences you know, because ultimately, if and when I respond, you can kind of elaborate from there, but make it super concise, have a visual like here is my a link to my portfolio. I am confident that you will like my work and I really need help with blank and make it super specific. I think just being specific in any realm, if you're applying to a job, be specific, be so specific that it's like just ridiculous. Okay. Like if you really need help with video editing, put that, you know, in bold. I need your advice on video editing. Not just like I need your advice with my creative journey. Like, cause that's so vague and you need to, I mean, Ultimately, I do actually a personal goal of mine is to do um, some consulting where I do like virtual like one on one Zoom or some sort of like virtual coaching session with someone that's going to be down the road because I feel like, you know, I I could need to get some more experience first because otherwise I'm like, why am I taking someone's money just to like chat with them? I feel like I need to have something to give. So I'm going to work on some ebooks and some, or some, some virtual things and guides. Um, but ultimately that's, those are the times when you can just come in and say, I have no idea what I'm doing creatively. I need a lot of guidance and help because you're paying for right. someone's time. Right. But if it's something where you're right. just, you just want to pick someone's brain, so to speak, and you're DMing someone, you have to know that uh, unless you're super specific and just like have a very quick question or have something where I need to sit down with you for 30 minutes and, you know, that's, that is what is fair for something that's quote free. You know what I mean? Yes. That's just yes. the way I see it. But I'm also yes. a huge yeah. proponent of like knowing your worth and your value really as good. a creative. And of course, as much as both of us, I'm sure would love to just sit and answer people's questions all day. There's not money in that and I have to pay my rent. So I, I think it's just all in the word choice and that's not something that's talked about. And so that advice is really, really valuable. And it's a great way, like even if they're... um 
let's say somebody has a video editing question or even for people who I've just been like my, you know, my mutual friends on Instagram, I'll just write an all caps podcast and an emoji yeah. and then do my little question for them. And that's a way that they can pop up in your inbox and immediately see instead of it saying, uh-huh. hey, Katie, how are you today? Da-da-da-da. By the way, because you might just be like, OK, I right now I am not able to open up this question or this DM because you don't know what it entails. But if it's very straight to the point, they're more likely to open it. So that's such good advice. I love that. I love that, like the fake subject line, so to speak. Yes, like yeah. I think that that is that honestly it catches my attention. It's like an email almost, and that's the way that I love yeah. that. Yeah, because yeah. you know before like what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, okay. When I see, hey, Katie, like I have a question for you. I'm almost like, oh no, <laughs> like, right? Because you want to I mean, be able to give the time to them, but right, you might not be able to have the time yet. But if they're able to get it straight to the point, you're able to anticipate kind of. Right. a bit more. Right. And I'm able to, yeah, I'm able to kind of like compartmentalize that in my brain and think, okay, after four o'clock today, I can open yes. this message, yeah. but I already kind of know what it's going to be about. Katie, what are three practical action steps that you would give to somebody who's looking to take the full jump? So one thing that we discussed even before the podcast rolled was how you and I are both not married. So for single people who are listening who don't have that safety net of a second income from their spouse, Mm -hmm. which is so many of us, I mean, I feel like I mostly see people who are married, maybe they're even a bit older, so they have even more experience under them. And to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, well, that's so awesome for them. But for me, I can't relate. So I think a really awesome thing is for both of us, it's like the girls and the guys who are listening who are probably about our age or even younger or maybe older, they're able to kind of relate to these action steps even more so mm-hmm. uh, than they might in other other resources. So for you, all that to be said, for you, what would three practical action steps be to somebody who's looking to take that same jump? You're so right with everything you just said, like retweet to all of that, because that was a big real fear of mine before was thinking, you know, all of these people that I really look up to in the graphic design, in the video editing, in the freelancing space, all either have the security of a spouse or are old enough where they have just kind of they're so refined in their career and have all these you know a lot of people I feel like do only take the freelance leap after they have 10 years of corporate experience or something like that and that's just not how I wanted to be so I did have to take some extra precautions that other people maybe don't have to take and one of them being especially living in New York City like you said you know paying having five months of rent set aside in Texas is a completely different ball game than having five months of rent set aside in New York and that's just the nature of living in New York and it something where I can't complain about it because I chose that for myself and I love it and it's so worth it's it. like it's worth it oh yeah everyone who lives in New York knows like of course it's more expensive but it's more expensive for a reason yeah. I guess because it's the best city because it's the best city ever yeah. yeah oh my god we're a little biased but yeah so <laughs> so I would say the first one is of course just financial cushion make sure you have a financial cushion it's hard uh you know especially if you're in debt I luckily was not in any debt from college uh luckily my parents you know afforded my whole college and that was just something I will never be able to repay them fully in uh because it's something that I know from having friends and people close to me that did not have that luxury it is something that is just really tough to work through in your adult years and so if you have debt 
you know, get to a place where you don't have debt or have a significantly less amount where you can, you know, be a little bit in uncertain in your career fully. Yeah. Even if it which takes is you tough. longer to get there, yes. it's all about the patience. I promise that it will be a lot sweeter if you do not have debt and you, you know, of course you, and you have savings, you know, and it sucks because it does take some people a significant amount of time to get there. But once you are there, or if you are lucky enough to have not had debt of any sort, get to a point where you can have, you know, a confident amount of savings that what I basically did was I sat down and I looked through all my statements. I've been doing my taxes, you know, by myself with my, well, with my accountant. Oh, it's going to be like, dang, all of my, no, 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 all of my (laughs) write-offs. I've been doing my write-offs and tracking my expenses for years, my business expenses. Because of the nature of my YouTube gig, I had to always be tracking my YouTube, you know, expenses and my paychecks were never in full it was always before taxes so I had some experience that way basically what I did was I just sat down and looked at my monthly expenses not just my rent but my fun my you know going to restaurants and all the things okay and you know calculating it figuring out how much I needed to live comfortably in New York City which is ridiculous it's like I get sick like thinking about it (laughs) but you know that's life so I calculated that and then I calculated how many you know I gave myself five months I think that that's wise some people I've heard have done three months or whatever but I thought five months was good for me so I I saved up that much I made sure that that was in an account where I couldn't touch it it was just there and I recommend you know don't get to the point where you're relying too much on credit cards and relying too much on credit like just be super financially responsible which sucks (laughs) but it's something you need to do so that is a huge action item I would say just get really comfortable with your finances and how much money you're spending because for me I was one of those people where I was like I'm just gonna throw all this money on new dresses and stuff and you know if it's if I'm not looking at it it's not happening like I don't I'm just not gonna look I'm just gonna swipe and not dive into my bank account and I in doing so I was missing some things where I was paying these monthly subscriptions for things I wasn't even using and like you know it was to the point where I was just being super irresponsible and you can't be that way as a freelancer you simply can't so get good with your finances tidy things up pay off your debts get to the point where you have savings and in doing so you might have to wait some time before you're able to fully quit your corporate job but I promise you you will feel so confident doing it when you have a safety net and it's essential so that's definitely the number one action item and then I'd say number two like I said just make sure of course you have jobs lined up or you have promise of having future jobs and make sure some of those are locked in with a contract and I was able I because of my freelance friends I came up with my go-to you know um, invoicing just software which is bonsai and I love it I'm not sure if you've heard of it but there's a million different ones out there I love bonsai it makes it super easy for creative people that have absolutely no concept of like big words and things that are like super legal and basically it makes it super easy to generate contracts that make sense and I've been able to generate contracts that way I also do invoicing everything in that app which I highly recommend to anyone that is just kind of clueless it's great it's only I think like it's cheap it's like 
$10 a month or so or something like that. And it's a little bit more as you increase what Mm -hmm. you need from them. They do so many, they actually, you can even get like a one-on-one accountant through it, I think, or something. There's a lot of things. Wow. Anyway, so got started with Bonsai, um, had a few contracts out, you know, and made sure that I was in a place where I had the promise of jobs and making sure that it was going to for sure happen. It wasn't just, you know, whispers in the wind. It was like, this is happening. So that was another thing. I think the third thing that I would say that is something I've learned more recently after a few months of, or kind of a few months into freelancing, where I was just kind of figuring out my groove, because I came into it having a lot of things that I like to do. So a lot of things that I was open to doing as well. So I was like, okay, freelance, I can do, I can take pictures, I can do video, I can edit, I can do graphic design. I can do some calligraphy on envelopes for weddings. I can do a lot of things. And I think that that was a little bit, it was exciting because I was like, oh my God, I can do all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. But from there, it was important, and this is the third action item I would say, is to figure out not only what are you good at, but what of those things do you genuinely like to do? And what of those things you you don't like to do or causes you great anxiety because there are going to be some things in this life that you are good at or that you show promise in and maybe could get really good at that you just have no interest in doing and for me which you're probably going to find this funny I hate photography I'm so just like not inspired by it or like it just makes it, it causes me severe just anxiety just there's a lot of things about it that I'm like you know what you, you know there's that quote out there that's you can do anything but not everything and nor should you. So I would just say as you're trying to figure out your offerings as a freelancer and the things, your services, the things that you will offer, um, just make sure that you're comfortable with what you are offering and that, and I think the way that you figure this out is a client will come to you and say, I want you to, can you take photos for me for three hours or something? And like, what would the rate be? And you sit there and you'd think, oh no. Like if you're thinking that, that is, that's all you need. You got to trust that and know that this is something that you can't, maybe you do it once for a friend or something. I'll make, you know, exceptions sometimes, but I, I've always said like, this is these are my offerings if I'm doing something outside of that I can't guarantee it's going to be amazing yeah because that's not something I specialize in right right no but I think you got to figure that out as a freelancer because no one's going to tell you you have to figure it out for yourself yeah if you feel like this dread from an inquiry then that's a sign that there I feel like there's times when you do need to make those sacrifices of okay let's say your wedding photo you could do wedding photography but you weren't super into it but it pays well and you just started your journey or you have you're paying off your debt or there's times to make sacrifices but I think that in general when it's you're coming up with the packages that you're wanting to present and to advertise that's really good advice that you can do everything but you shouldn't do it or what was the quote you can, you can do anything, anything but not everything that's so true and it's because of course good. you can you can I yeah. mean this is so like take this with a grain of salt yeah, or apply yeah. it to your own life because of course there's some people that need a push to yeah. try something new and that is a whole different thing but I'm just saying I mean because sometimes you can kind of get yourself down this road where mm-hmm. you say yes to all these jobs that you're not comfortable with and then you're kind of labeled as the person yeah. that does this <laughs> yeah. and you get kind of stuck and you almost find yourself in the wrong story you're like oh my god I'm not supposed to be here I don't know how I got to this point yeah so I think it's just about knowing yourself trying some things realizing 
oh my gosh, I hate that. Like yeah. try everything. Literally try everything because you never know yeah. what is going to strike a chord in you and, and you're going to be like, oh my God, I love that. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah. just know that like, and of course there's some jobs that you say yes to, you do them and you're like, okay, not going to do that one again, but that was fun, but uh, not going to do that again. With that all being said, what are three mindset shifts that you would give as advice to anyone who is looking to take the jump? So they have everything prepared. They followed your action steps, Mm -hmm. but now they're (laughs) facing the fear of failure or imposter syndrome, and they're the only thing in their way. Oh my gosh. Well, of course, I think just going off of that, number one is get out of your own way. You're the only person that can sometimes you're the only person that can save yourself and you got to stop waiting for someone to come and save you. I was in the mentality kind of towards the end where, and this sounds so superficial and crazy, but like bear with me here. I feel like a lot of people feel this way, but I was like, you know what? I just need a husband. I need a boyfriend to come in and tell me that, you know, my friends telling me was not enough. I needed someone because of course, I mean, at the end of the day, we're wired for attraction and for love and all these things. And so I'm not ashamed of this at all, but I was just expecting or hoping that some guy would come in and show me what I was missing slash convince me to quit my job or tell me, you know, because in all these freaking movies that we've been growing up watching of, you know, Prince Charming coming in, even if he's not actually Prince Charming but just some guy coming into the picture and convincing the girl that she needs to chase her dreams and I was Mm -hmm. waiting for that I was waiting for a sign I guess also just something and it came to the point where I was like okay I don't think this is going to happen for me I think Mm -hmm. I just have to be the one to save myself and I was the hero of my own story still am and of course it's I could kind of argue that it, it tastes a lot sweeter when it's something that you did for yourself. Yeah, that's really and good. And, you know, so now it's kind of nice because, you know, whenever I'm meeting guys and I'm going on dates and I'm in the New York fun of it all, mm-hmm. it's like I can say like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm an entrepreneur. I have my own business. Mm-hmm. And like it's more so like, wow, not like, oh, like you should probably quit your job. You sound unhappy. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I did that for myself and it yeah. feels good. Yeah. So get out of your own way. I would say is number one. Number two, mm-hmm. kind of in that was just, you know, stop waiting for someone else to save you. Yeah. And that's a huge mindset shift, I think, because once you realize that no one's coming to yeah. save you or maybe that no one needs to come to save you, mm-hmm. it's huge. I yeah. think it's a huge mindset shift. Yeah. And then I'd say the third um, would definitely just be that failure. I, I made a whole podcast about this and I just firmly believe in it. Failure is just research unless you never try again. Oh my gosh. So, okay. And that that's not my quote. Oh. I didn't make that. That's so I don't know good, though. who that's said so it. Good. I found it or I didn't find it, but someone I don't know how. Yeah, yeah. Something. Yeah. It somehow, that's you know those really quotes good. that just like somehow hit you and you're like, oh my God, yeah. I needed to hear that. So failure is just research unless you never try again. And I think that it's a huge mindset shift because once you see everything you're doing mm-hmm. as quite literally something that benefits you no matter what, if it goes horribly or if it goes super well, you know, it's either I always even say in when I'm giving advice about relationships, you know, this still applies. It's like it's either love, it's either success or it's a lesson. Yeah. It's either success or it's research. You know, it's you got to stop viewing something as like, okay, failure's the end. A lot of people view failure as the period at the end of the sentence and not a comma. Yeah. 
you know, and something that leads to like, okay, she failed at her corporate job, comma, but she succeeded at freelance. It's not, she failed at her corporate job, period. Yeah. It's not a failure. It's, it's, it's something that leads into something else. And once you realize that, I think it's a huge, the the game changes, I think. Yeah. That's really good, Katie. There was a, have you heard of Amy Porterfield? She's no. Like, okay, you will love her. She's like a marketing she's like a marketing coach. She teaches a lot about how to do how to develop digital courses, but her podcast, <gasps> you'll have to listen. So, it's online marketing made easy. And she recently did a episode on making decisions and how some mm. people are feeling like when you make the wrong choice, basically like if you fail or if you make the wrong choice, it's you have to start shifting your mindset to be Instead of saying that was the a bad idea, the wrong choice to make, it was just a decision that then will lead you to the correct the next decision. That it's right. all kind of like a almost like steps that you take. Or I would view it as like a flow chart almost. So <laughs> Yeah. Um, I love that what you're saying about how it's not a period, it's a comma. It will lead you to the next thing. It's not the end all be all. And even if you do try something and you decide that you don't like it, like okay, I tried, uh, let's say I tried calligraphy and I didn't like it. It doesn't mean that you failed. It's just that you now know that that's a, you don't want to go into that direction. That's actually an incredible point because actually I did. I So I took some calligraphy classes in New York. I was like one of those people where I was like, I really want to get good at this. And I stumbled across this girl on Instagram mm-hmm. that taught classes. And so I went to her class and I had already been designing tattoos and like doing my script lettering and everything. Mm-hmm. And so I went in with this huge head thinking I was going to be so good at calligraphy. And this is like traditional calligraphy. So with like the the well of ink and the, the you know, the dipping and the, gotcha. you know, it wasn't like a pen or a brush pen or anything. And so I went into that just with a huge head thinking I was going to be great I ultimately it was just a mess like I could not it was whatever it was a nightmare but it was like fun it was a fun nightmare it was one of those things where I was just so bad but like I think a lot of times I think this is just maybe a fourth thing I wanted to add is like I think that you know you have to have the courage to be bad at something yeah you you really do because chances are if you're going to try something you've never tried before you're going to be bad at it okay and yeah of course there's some people that are miraculously good at some things but okay whatever don't use they're an exception not the rule yeah you know you gotta just know that or have the ex maybe not the expectation but the the courage to be okay with it if you're just so bad at something because it means that you tried okay and for me with that with calligraphy with learning that I realized it was a stepping stone into me realizing that maybe I wasn't good at calligraphy with a you know with whatever that they're called like the pens that are the quill the inkwell the quill I don't even see the nib it's called a nib but I don't know what the full pen is called whatever you know yeah yeah like the traditional calligraphy I wasn't so good at that but I'm, I'm like looking at my my cup of uh, brush pens right now because I'm really good at brush pen lettering. I'm really good at brush calligraphy and that's completely different, but yeah. I would not have figured that out if I didn't try. Yeah, totally. So you, you got to let yourself fail and have have some sort of comfort in it, like yeah. find comfort in it. And give grace for yourself. Yeah. It's almost like your first YouTube video, your first podcast episode or your first photo shoot. It's not going to be the best, but that doesn't mean it's bad. It means that you're going to develop right. it if you if you choose to. So that's great advice. 
Katie, this was such a valuable episode, and I'm so excited for everybody who's listening to be able to take everything that you have shared with us and um, integrate it into their own creative journey. So where can everybody find you and your work? Sure. So I guess, honestly, the best place to find me is just by searching my name on any platform. So it's K-A-T-Y, like Katy Perry, and then Bellotti, B-E-L-L-O-T-T-E. And I always tell people it's like Pilates. It's like, that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> um, and yeah, just searching my first and last name on any platform will likely bring up something of mine. Uh, my podcast is called Thick and Thin, and I post every Thursday on there. And it's super, it's basically like a spoken diary of my it's life so, so that's good. a great place to start thank really you good. I'm still working out the kinks two years in but it's it's something that's ever growing and it's fun and I love it so podcast YouTube I post semi-frequently I'd say a couple times a month and then Instagram on there every day on stories and everything and you know of course beyond and Katie Bilotti Designs on Instagram is my completely design devoted Instagram account so if you ever have any inquiries or have any you know design questions reach me there but yeah that's kind of it nice thanks for having me this is so fun you're so so welcome thank you and all of her information will be linked in the show notes and then also jessicawhitaker.co slash blog slash katie for a quick link to everything thank Yay. you so much thanks for having me this is so fun how amazing is Katie? She has so many incredible, inspiring points that are backed with action steps. So I really hope that you walk away from this episode not only feeling inspired from her story, but equipped with her tips. Be sure to go to the show notes or to jessicawhitaker.co slash blog slash Katie, K-A-T-Y, to grab all of her social links and to give her a follow. If you would love more guests on the show, I'm going to ask you a favor. Would you go on into iTunes? Yes, even if you're listening on Spotify, but you have the podcast app on your iPhone and drop a review. You taking 60 seconds to share that you learned and loved this particular episode will help me be able to gather social proof to upcoming guests when I pitch them to be on the Build a Bloom podcast, especially when I don't have a prior relationship with a guest, when I don't know them, I've never even sent them a DM before. This is a way that they're able to see that people are listening and learning and that this is a good use of their time to come on the show because people are donating their time and their talent to speak into you. And I would love for there to be more guests, but I need you to go on over and to leave a review. With that being said, I believe in you and your business. Thank you for listening to the Build and Bloom podcast, and I'll catch you in the next one. Thanks for listening to the Build and Bloom podcast. If you love the show, leave us a review on iTunes to keep it running. This also helps other photographers to find this free resource. Looking for more? Join over 60,000 photographers in the Build and Bloom Facebook group. Just search for Build and Bloom in Facebook groups to join in the encouraging and empowering community. You can also find Jessica's tutorials and tools on YouTube and Instagram at Jessica Whitaker and show notes and further resources on her website, jessicawhitaker.co. Thanks for spending time here. Catch you in the next episode.